0: Welcome everyone to Little Church by the Sea in our second service and Sophie just bless you and the uh, amount of challenge and warfare over your life just parallels the anointing that's on you and lots of good things are gonna come in be coming for you and all of us are a product of working through these various challenges in our lives. And we love you, we'll always love you, and just wish you such the very best in the future. Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning, to, like, just this, this, the worship this morning, and like, do you guys ever look at, really look deeply at the words that are written, that we sing? I just, well, I just want to live in the shadow of your love, because the whole world is looking for love, right? Last night, everybody was running all over the place looking for love. They were in bars, and they were in these places, and good places, bad places, they're all looking for the same thing. They're trying to fill the empty spot in their heart, that spot that only God can fill. There's a spot that only God can fill, and they're trying to put everything else in that they possibly can find, you know, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it might be. Maybe this will do it, and only God can meet that deepest longing and yearning of your heart. It's only him. And so we rest in his love today, whatever's going on. We rest in God's love. We believe God's love. In our successes, we rejoice in God's love. and our failures, we still rest in God's love. Because God understands who we are. He understands all of our strengths, and he understands all of our weaknesses. Not only should we rest in God's love this morning, but we should rest in each other's love. And one of my great prayers for this church every year is that we would grow and intensify in our care and love for one another. That's what it means to be a church family and connect one with each other. Fabulous story. You know, I don't want to be outdone by Robert Clemens. Did you hear him say, yeah, I'm teaching today. I'm excited, so here I go. I'm excited to be teaching the Word of God today. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Um, uh, I said in the first service, I won't be going to Jeff's Young adult group because a week ago Sunday I turned 75. So I'm just like hanging in there. Yeah, I still I'm feeling good. I'm I'm not on the way out yet. I'm still feeling good. Chris's dad Larry says I'm going to catch up with him if I don't watch out here, and we shall see. All right. Well, when I was a, a young a teen. I, I, I started making these long lists of all of the items that I would need to furnish my very first apartment when I got out of high school. I, I'm surprising how much stuff you need if you don't have anything. And I make these long lists to make sure you know I was all ready because I was beginning to feel this God-given desire for independence from my parents. I uh, love my parents. I had great parents. Great dad provided for me, coached me in Little League and all of that. Had the most loving, nurturing mother you could imagine. She said words that imprinted themselves in my life forever. She said, Jay, there's nothing you could ever do, not a thing, I don't care what it is, that I would ever, ever stop loving you. She was my first expression of God. Because that's exactly how God feels about each one of you. There's nothing that you could ever do that would ever stop God from loving you. You will never be more loved by God than you are right now. God's love set on you irrevocably, everlastingly. It's set on you. and You cannot earn any more of God's love. and You cannot lose any of God's love. So my mom said this. They, they were great parents. It wasn't there was anything wrong with them at all. But I was beginning to feel like I'm I'm growing up and uh, I'm becoming a young adult and uh, I, I want to start experiencing life for myself. And that's exactly what we're going to see is taking place in Jesus' life in our passage today. That Jesus uh, in, in a story that's only recorded uh, in the Gospel of Luke it's not, you don't find it in Matthew, Mark or John. In fact Luke has a number of Wonderful stories, parables that are only found in Luke. It's, one of the, it's such a special gospel. Um, Jesus is beginning to express his independence. We're going to see that in, our, in this very, very sweet and precious story of Jesus in the temple at 12 years of age. And we're going to see more than just that. But there's a couple of uh, super bonuses for us. Uh, one is um, that we will read and listen to the very first words that Jesus ever spoke that are recorded in Scripture. They're found in Luke chapter 2 in our section. Uh, and then also we will see that even at the age of 12, Jesus knew who he was, that he was not just a man, but he was also God, that Jesus understood that, that he was a unique person with two natures. Jesus Christ possessed the nature of God and he possessed the nature of man. Undiminished deity, true and real humanity, combined in this one unique person, the very, very heartbeat, the very foundation of what we believe as Christians is that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. God Amen. And we're going to take a closer look at that because it is so important that we know who we walk with and who we abide with and who we serve and who we love, that we understand what God is. And this is what Paul wrote to Ephesians when he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know, you would understand what the knowledge of God is all about. And so we come into the house of God on Sunday mornings and responsibility of Jeff and myself and Greg and the others that teach is to impart to you as much of God as we possibly can not looking to impart to you ourselves we're not looking to impart to you just information you can go on your computer and get information we're seeking here to receive the heart of God and the spirit of God and make the word of God alive that Jesus said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God so we're going to look at this precious story. It's it's uh, it was so uh, wonderful to study it. Uh, let's turn to Luke uh, chapter two. Uh, it's, on, it's on page eight fifty eight in your pew Bible. Um, if you turn there, uh, Jeff uh, taught through verse forty last week, um, and I believe that the. the Bulletin says I'm teaching verses 41 through 52, but I want to start in uh, as a way of intro by uh, reading verses 39 and 40 because especially verse 40 is one half of a book end to the other half, which is verse 52, two verses that say uh, the similar, similar, almost similar words. They couch this beautiful story of Jesus as a 12-year-old in which we can learn so very much uh, about Jesus growing up. And so I'm going to read through this text and then we're going to take a little bit of a longer look about uh, on the subject of Jesus being both uh, man and deity. And I want you to understand that as best as I possibly can express it to you because it's that important that you understand. So Uh, Beginning in verse 39, uh, the family is returning from Jesus being dedicated in the temple. uh, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own hometown of Nazareth. I want to make mention that Nazareth, because it ties into our next story, is about 100 miles from Jerusalem. It would be about a three, three and a half day, four day journey by foot for them at that time. Verse 40, a strong verse Uh, showing us the humanity of Jesus, that Jesus, the child grew. This is is from the point he's born until he's 12. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So you see this strong verse in verse 40 of Jesus' humanity. He grew. He learned. He understood. He became strong. He was filled, just like you and I. As we grow, we become stronger, we become wiser, we attain more understanding, we enter into life, we know what it's more about today than we did 10 years ago. And then this beautiful account of Jesus is 12 years old, beginning in verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year uh, at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, when Jesus was 12 years old, They went up according to their custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group that went a day's journey, they then began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him, all who heard Jesus, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus answers, the very first words we have recorded of anything that he's ever said here in scripture. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? His first words. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And again, repeated, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with man. So like I said, we have these two verses, verses 40 and verses 52, speaking to us of Jesus like you and I. He increased, he grew, he changed, became different, his stature increased. And isn't it interesting that he had favor both with God, his Father, and with man. So we see his humanity. That's no problem for us. But when Jesus speaks his first words to his his parents, we also see his deity. Because he says to them, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Capital F. Jesus already knew who he was. That he was the son, capital S, of the father capital F now God is all of our fathers our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name we pray in the Lord's prayer he is our father but he's not our father in the same sense that he was uh, Jesus' father and it is so interesting to notice here that Jesus knows and recognizes who he is and our first response is in in the frantic distress of, of Mary and Joseph you know, saying why, why have you done this to us? Why why have you disappeared like this? Jesus' response is not a snappy, rude response. It is that breaking into that place that he knew who he was, even at the age of twelve. And that was at the age of twelve in this day, you were an older twelve-year-old than you would be in our day today. You know, Mary is probably fourteen or fifteen when she gave birth to Jesus. Like they they they're growing, they're growing up fast then. And Jesus is growing in wisdom uh, and in stature. Now how did Jesus grow in wisdom, do you think? I'm just going to throw that out there. How do you think Jesus grew in wisdom? What, what would have caused that? Anybody want to give forth a guess? Yes, Don? Yeah, they prayed. He prayed. That's, a, that's, that's one good thing. Yes, Ronnie. held on to wisdom, where would he have found that wisdom, you guys? He would have found the wisdom in the scriptures. Did you know that a child by the age five, 85% of his character is formed? And in the Hebrew culture, children from the minute of understanding began to be inundated with the word of God. Going back to the giving of the commandments on Mount Sinai, um, in the Law of Moses... God said at the very beginning, the most important thing that a parent can do is to train their child up from the very minute they can begin to understand in the word of God, in the scriptures. Moses said to Israel, when God gave his law, he said, this is the commandment the Lord gives you, the statutes that he gives, that the Lord has commanded me to say to you, that you do all of his commandments when you come into the land that you're going to possess, that you fear the Lord your God, fear being reverence, and that you and your son and your son's son keep all of my statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Well, the question would be, when would you like us to teach our children, that. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. This is the great Shema passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Look at the alls. A-L-L. All your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command today that they should be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently. You shall teach them them diligently to your children. Well, how much should we be talking about it? Listen to what comes next. You shall talk about these statutes and about the Lord when you sit in your house. You shall talk about them when you walk by the way. You shall talk about them when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, put them on your foreheads, write them on the doorpost of your house, and write them on your gates. From their earliest age in Jesus' day, and up today in Orthodox Hebrew tradition, the minute children can begin to understand, they are inundated with the word of God. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in understanding, just like we do. He was taught and trained by uh, Mary and Joseph, and by the local teachers of Nazareth, The Word of God. That's how He he grew, just like us. And and if there is anyone here this morning, and you're feeling a little dry, or or a ways away from God, or maybe you're feeling a, a long ways away from God, and you're thirsting, and you're wondering what's wrong, you haven't been eating. I don't know how many of you ate breakfast this morning, but most of you ate breakfast this morning, unless you're fasting. You ate because you want to nourish your body, so you feel good. What the Word of God does is it nourishes our spirit. It grows us, so spiritually, we feel good. We feel right. We are the way God intended us to be, which is to be filled with His Word. With Jesus, I've come to give you life, and that more abundantly. How many of you are experiencing that life, abundant life, If you're not experiencing it, I say just get back into the Word of God. Maybe you forgot, left it, you've been busy. You wake up in the morning, what do you do the first thing? Look at your iPhone. (laughs) I think all of us probably could take the example of Jesus and all Hebrew children. And I hope those of you who are parents are doing the same with your children, which is when you rise up, when you sit down, everywhere you look, There's something of God. This is not being religious. This is life. God said, "This is. I want you to be saturated, soaked in an atmosphere of the presence of God." Why do I like to come here on Sunday mornings? Because the presence of God is manifest. It is not enough to know that God exists. It is not enough to know that God is real. I want to know God in an experiential way. I want to experience God. And so when we were worshiping and singing, I was experiencing God's presence. Were some of you? Some of you experiencing? See, when you worship, worship, the word worship means expressing your love. You express your love for God uh, when you worship. And, And so... When we do that, the presence of the Lord is released, because it says in Psalm 22, that the Lord inhabits, He lives, He dwells amongst the praises uh, of His people. And that's why we come here together. We come here together to meet God in His heart. We come here to get encouraged. We come here hopefully, that who's ever teaching that you're going to leave and you're going to uh, find something of God. That, that, that you can hold on to. You know, Jesus said, um, you know, there's two kinds of people. He said there's the, the person who hears what I say and then there's a person who doesn't hear what I say. And they're like the man who builds his house upon a rock or builds his house upon the sand. The people who hear my voice and pay no attention to me are like the ones that build their house on the sand and when the storms of life come along, it blows over, falls down because they haven't taken the word of God into their life. And the one who builds their house on a rock is the one who hears God's word and then acts on it and responds. And when the storms of life come, they're able to endure those storms and stand because of God's word. And just let me say, there are many storms in life. Do not think it is some peculiar thing. Peter writes, Do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal amongst you. Paul said to the elders in Antioch, uh, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Do not be surprised by tribulation, trials, distress, problems, all these things, they're a part of the deal, that's a part of life. But we hold on to God, don't we? I'm telling you, hell's been unleashed in the world in our day. And you, if you ever were going to hang on to God, you hang on today because the news, it's just too tough to fathom right now what's going on all over the world. If we ever needed to hang on to God, persevere and endure and not give up, it's this hour right now. We need to draw ourselves. Where are we going to go? I've often thought, well, now... If I backslid, and if I went back into the world, where would I go? I don't know where I'd go. I don't know what there's out there. What's out there? Nothing's out there. A temporary zap, and then you're just lower than you were the day before. So, I want to hang on to God. I want to encourage you to do that. Okay, I want to talk to you now about the what I think is the heartbeat of this passage that we just read Jesus is God and man. I want to give you a, a little more uh, understanding about that. So um, I've done a little PowerPoint for us on the true identity of Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, uh, begins to emerge. That he possesses two natures Jesus possessed the nature of God, and he possesses the nature of man. He's both human and divine. And I picked out uh, what I think are the two greatest passages. They give us both views in one section. The first is the Kenosis passage from Philippians chapter 2 that says, "Uh, let Christ Jesus be your example, who though he existed in the form of God and possessed the fullness of God, Jesus is God, he stripped himself of this privilege, becoming a bondservant, born as a human being, and then humbled himself even further becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So in this passage in Philippians, we see Jesus, before he was born, existing as God, possessing the fullness of God, and then stripping himself of this privilege by becoming a human, more than that, a bondservant. And he did that for one reason. He did that because of you. He humbled himself to become a servant, and he died on the cross because of you. You had no hope. I had no hope. There was no bridge to the Father unless Jesus came, and he came, became a bond servant, even to the point of death on the cross. That's one passage. The second passage is a famous passage from the first chapter of John, uh, John 1, verses one to three, and then verse 14, that speaks to us of the humanity and the deity of Jesus. In by the way, the second word here, "the" is not in the original Greek text, It's not in the original manuscripts. Because thus signifies a starting point. It really reads in beginning. But in order for us to understand the verse a little better, the, the article is put in there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the word, uh, the word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. So whoever this Word was, this Word was God, and this, this word was also the agent of the Trinity in creation. When God said, let there be light, that was Jesus' call within the Godhead to be the author of creation. That's so what it says here in John chapter 1, verse 3. All things created came into being through him. And then we're told who the word is, which is verse 14. And the word became flesh, became human, and lived among us. And John writes, we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, John 1, give us two beautiful passages expressing to us the humanity and deity of Christ in both both sections. Next slide, please. Uh, So in our text today, Jesus grew, became strong, and was filled with wisdom. There's his humanity, and then his response to his mother, Did you not know I must be in my father's house? There's his deity. Next slide. And then the famous prophecy from Isaiah that we often get on Christmas cards that also speaks to us of Jesus' deity and his humanity. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? In Hebrew it means with us is God. And that verse in... Uh, in Isaiah chapter 7 is quoted in Matthew chapter 1 when Jesus was born. He fulfilled that prophecy when he showed up here on earth on that day with us, here on earth was God in that little infant in that manger in Bethlehem. God had showed up on earth. Yeah, it's it's a great mystery. I put down here at the bottom. The prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew Jesus possessing two natures in one person, a stunning mystery, indeed it is, but a stunning truth. And so when you go to seminary, you you grapple with, well, how much of God was he, and how much of human was he, or how did it fit together, and what was this union? I recall the story, remember when the woman with the hemorrhage touched his robe, and Jesus said, who touched me? I felt power go out. Remember that story? He didn't know who touched him. He says, I'm going to return one day to this earth, but I can't tell you what the hour is. Only my father knows. So there's certain... So what do you mean we both... You know what? We just trust what we can understand. And we know who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is Lord. Like I said, he's fully God, fully man, combined in one person, one unique person forever. This is the heartbeat of our faith, This is the heartbeat of Christianity. And this is what separates us from every other religion and every other Christian cult. Every other religion, every other Christian cult gets it wrong. They get it wrong. Jesus is something else other than God and man. He's a great prophet, a great teacher. He's he's God with a small g or something, something else. They always get it wrong. You can always pinpoint it as being wrong. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's God and He's man. And that's what we see. Uh, in our text today. All right, let's go back to our text and before we have communion I just want to point uh, a couple of things out to you. How amazing is it that he is at what feast is he at? He's at the feast of Passover. So every the Jews were called to three feasts a year, feast of of, uh, Passover, Pentecost, and then Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. They were called to Jerusalem three times a year but if you could only go to one feast you would go to this feast this was the most important feast the feast of Passover and probably Joseph and Mary were only able to go to one feast but isn't it significant that it's Passover why do you think it's significant that we're looking at Passover what is Passover? Passover was the commemoration of Israel uh, out of Egypt in the book of Exodus when Moses had tried to get Pharaoh to release his people and he wouldn't. Finally, God was going to take the firstborn in the land on that dreaded night. But he said to Moses, tell your people to slay a lamb. Take the blood of that lamb on that night and paint that blood on the doorpost of the house. And when the death angel comes to Egypt to take the firstborn, he will pass over that house with the blood. And the firstborn in that house will be saved. That's all recorded in the book of Exodus. And since that night, the observation of, the, of Passover has taken place for all of these centuries. Jesus, and this story we've just read is at the feast of Passover, every single lamb slain was a picture of Jesus himself when Jesus came on the earth his cousin said behold the Lamb of God capital L that takes away the sin of the world and when Jesus died on the cross every lamb that had been slain since that uh, Passover first Passover night every lamb that had been slain pictured prefigured Christ and there he is at the feast of the Passover when you and I ask Jesus into our life God takes the blood of his son and he applies that blood to the doorpost of your heart and your sins are covered and God will forever pass over your sins because you're fully forgiven and you will be saved for all of eternity aren't you glad every lamb slain prefigured Christ and Christ came gave himself up for you and I and we're covered this morning by his blood and in just a minute we'll have communion and when we take that wine you don't know how precious it is, I don't think, because I don't think I really understand. Wait, well, it's not wine, it's grape juice for us. When we take that grape juice and take the matzah, it represents the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus is at the Passover when he breaks through in his life and begins to reveal who he is To You know, his parents had been 12 years. His parents got all the words of the angels. They heard it all that, 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 that the Son of God was gonna be born and all that. But 12 years, I th- they think they'd forgotten. Uh, what's happening here? We're not quite sure what all this means. And so they're, they're trying to figure out uh, what's happening uh, with their son, why he, why he disappeared. How many of you have ever, have ever lost your child for a minute or two? Like, how, how many of you ever had that panic? You know, like, I, 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 you're at the little league field and suddenly, where'd, you, where's, where'd my son go? Or you're at the mall, and suddenly they're gone, you know? And, and uh, can you imagine? Mary and Joseph for three days, wondering, what the heck? Like, where is he? And where's the last place they went? Where he was. That, uh, I said in the first service, um, when my younger son was born, you know, the nurse comes in after a few minutes and, uh, and takes the baby and washes the baby and then they clamp a, a, a name wrist on, on the baby and we had a natural child birth and I was there in the room when the baby was born and all that, and, and Nikki said, Jay, you get, when that nurse came and got the baby, he said, Jay, you get up and you follow that nurse, and you make sure the tag that's put on our son's wrist is him, because he'd read stories, you know, about, about, about there being switches, you know, by mistake. You know, that's the mother coming out, you know, first minute of birth. Make sure the wrist is right, you know so we, we're all protective of that, but Jesus is breaking through to begin his ministry, even at the age of twelve. he's in his father's house, and because he's filled with such wisdom, our text says that you know so if you look at some of the Renaissance paintings they they don't get it right. they have Jesus kind of dominating the scene you know, and all of the all of the um, scribes and the teachers kind of like amazed you know kind of like like uh, Jesus is like he's the uh, dominant figure in the painting, that's not the way it was at all. He was just asking questions and he was giving answers and he was submissive even to the older uh, teachers there. But everybody was blown away by, wow, was he getting this? You know, so as much as he'd studied of the word, uh, God was uh, anointing him, even at this age of 12, to be able to express um, to them and when he says to, uh, I must be in my father's house, he gives a clear word that he knew who he was. I'm the son, capital S, of my father. Kapila. And because of that stance, when his real ministry began, he was persecuted endlessly because he's, he kept saying that he was, um, in, in all kinds of various ways, he was who he who we see in this scripture. He was both God and he was both man. All right, we're gonna have communion here in just a second. I just want to point out one thing that, um, you know, we we look at maybe Jesus was, it looked like he was rude, but you know, I think that I think that getting a joke when you're a parent and your kids are twelve and thirteen and 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 they begin to exert their independence, we see it as rebellion. But really, I think this gives us a little bit of a picture that there is a God-given desire for uh, independence from your parents that those of us who are controlling of your, of your kids, like, like I was, uh, you just better, like, loosen up a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's helpful to loosen up a little bit and not like, try to control every single thing that takes place. Uh, finally, let me close with this before Jeff comes up to do communion. We're told in verse 51 that Jesus' mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And I pray what we've just read, what we've just heard, we will treasure the wonder of the Son being born here on this earth, dying for us that as we share this table together, you and I might have life. Amen? Amen. Amen.